Tried again by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Stoops. So we are in February and people are still apparently leaving their trash in the hallway to the point where where my building felt necessary to put it back in to the <laughs> elevator letter. Continu- continuing the story. Everybody was uh, waiting patiently to to hear the, the update for that one. I, I got to be honest, man. I'm a little embarrassed of my building that there is a necessary follow-up, that it wasn't just, oh, yeah, we should all agree not to do that because we don't live in the Ritz-Carlton. No, man. Like, fucking sweet life of Zach and Cody over here. What the fuck? Like, Just leave it in the hallway and hope somebody comes and grabs it. I, uh, good lord. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. So, yeah, I mean, we picked a great, great night, great game to come back from. We, we can, you know what? We will count this as a post-game show. There it is. There it's it, go. It, 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 this is a post-game show. This is a post-game show. show. Um, I mean, for, the, look, game every game I is a post-game show. Yeah. Because the game has happened at some point. Can't say they did. You are true. You are right. Um, coming off of one of the ugliest losses of the season, 5 nothing loss to Boy. Montreal, where they managed 13 shots on goal against uh, a bottom... Yeah. Montreal's close to being bottom five. They're, they're an under they're 500 seventh. team. So They're seventh in the league. Yeah, not good. Ducks are sitting not third last in the league. Chicago and San Jose, right? I think are bottom two. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. It's a two horse race for the bottom, man. It is a two horse race for the bottom, but the Ducks are doing their level best to keep themselves relevant. Hey man, uh, we we had our fun early on in the season. Things looked good, exciting, winning some games. Went on a winning streak. The rookies came in. They started playing well. Success has tailed off, but the good thing is the kids are still playing well. Cough. Are they? Uh, okay. Leo Carlson looks really, really good. And Olin Zellweger came up and, and looked impressive. I'll, I'll give Minchikov a, a bit of a break because he was injured. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm just being an asshole about tonight. Everybody looked bad tonight. Oh, everybody looked bad tonight. Everybody looked bad tonight. Yeah. Uh, the fourth line was the only line that didn't look bad, and that can never be a good thing. But, you know. <laughs> Ross Johnson was out there That's, doing Ross Johnson stuff, and I'm so proud of him. of the, the Derek Grant days. <laughs> Everybody was bad, but the fourth line looked okay. Yeah, I was, I was so proud of Ross Johnson tonight starting shit. Um, Some things never change. But no, I, it's, I mean, look, I'm looking at the standings right now. There are three teams with who haven't hit 40 points for the standings yet, Yikes. and it's Anaheim, San Jose, and Chicago. Columbus is having an existential crisis as a fan base right now because that team is in such a weird and bad spot and everybody hates the coach and everybody hates the GM and they needed all the change. <clears throat> and it's they funny because they could be in a, a better spot too. 
because they've lost 10 overtime shootout games. <laughs> it's like just a abysmal record. Like if they half that, they're I mean they're not sitting much better. They're they're only one position above, but uh, they're they're at least looking. There's more of a gap between them uh, and the bottom three. Like I I feel like it really is that bottom three and then everybody else above them, right? Like there's a, a decent eight point gap between us and Ottawa. And Ottawa has three games in hand. Yeah, I would say Columbus is in the bottom four. I because look, as much as you're right, if they win half of those games, they have 47 points. Yeah, but they did, and they're above Ottawa. Yeah. If they don't reach overtime on half of those things, they have less points than us. Yeah, true. Because to Anaheim's credit, they only have two loser points. So, and I believe that is tied for the... Oh, no, Edmonton has one loser point. So, do, do are we happier being here instead of not, you know not having the best odds at the lottery like we did last year and then having the better chance of not winning the lottery. Like, do you feel better about that? I almost feel a little bit better not being the worst team in the league. I... Maybe it's because there's no Bedard this year. You know what I mean? So, like... You know... Boy, it's... I'm so... It's so interesting to me because... Part of me... is like we're third from the bottom how much better off are we actually this is the conversation i feel like we've been having for like the last four five seasons is the results are roughly the same but like are we happier with where we are are things moving in the right direction do they look like a better like yeah no and i'm I'm saying that wrong because i don't i don't mean to be presenting it quite that way because i think it is inarguable that the first pick this team has made in the last five drafts have been objectively good decisions that put the team in a good place moving forward, right? Yeah, I, even, I think even though we shipped one of them out the door, but it was a good. But trade. but but look at how he played when he was here. Look mm-hmm. at how he's playing in Philadelphia. I don't think we made a bad pick. Yeah. Right, it, it it that like, and some Jamie Drysdale slander there. What? Is he, is he playing bad? In no, no, he's playing really well. Oh, he's playing good. Okay, okay. No, he's having a he's doing really well over there. I think he fits surprisingly into Tortorella's system in a way. Like, look, the truth of it is, is he's going to go in there and he's going to be Tony D'Angelo, but he's not going to a be an asshole and he's not going to be. Just completely ignore the other half of the ice. He's yeah. a much smarter and much more defensively, even if you don't want to say skilled, he's much more committed defensively than someone like D'Angelo. Yeah. So that commitment and that effort and his intelligence is going to give him leeway with Tortorella. We've already seen Tortorella talk about it. He's really smart. He's a really good skater. We want him getting into the play. I'm not thinking of him like a defenseman. He's a rover. Like, he's using this language specifically to highlight the ways in which he can get the best out of Drysdale. And we've seen him do this with guys like Zach Wrensky. We've seen him do this with guys like Seth Jones, where he just kind of lets them do whatever they want as long as they're not hanging their teammates out to dry. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's going 
going to be great for him. I'm really excited for Jamie that he's going to be in that situation. I think that's a good locker room for him. There's some older guys there. He gets to be back with D'Lo and things like that. Like, anyway, he knows Cam York, obviously. Yeah. But still, I think the choices that we have made in the last five drafts have been objectively good choices. And with the new rules around the draft lottery, you can only win it twice in like a five-year period. I think it's something like that. Yeah. I, if they're not going to win it this year, I would like to be as bad as possible because it improves the general quality of the pick, but it also doesn't punish the team moving forward for having a spike up year. Yeah. This is, in my opinion, the best year to win the lottery. Like why, why last is... year would have because I think Leo Carlson is better than whoever you're going to take second in this draft. Fair, yeah, right. At least at the time that we're doing this, with what we know about Leo Carlson mm-hmm. and what I know of this class, which again isn't a ton, but it's where we're at. I would say I think Leo Carlson. So, would you rather have? In in that instance, then, like if you win it last year and don't win it this year, or you don't win it last year and you win it this year, so then would you yes, rather 100%. have Carlson and let's say Celebrini because he's the number one projected pick for this year, or would you rather have Bedard and whoever you take at two because it's up in the air this year? Eisenman I mean, or, or whoever. you take Bedard, I think every time, but I think the other thing to remember is technically Anaheim did win the lottery last year. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Yep. So that's one of them. Yeah, and I, th- that's the other part I didn't say at first, which because I honestly I just skipped it in my head. I, th- I think we'll forget but because that because they've already won once. Yeah, technically. Yeah, it's best to win it again right now. Mm-hmm. Get someone like Macklin Celebrini, and be able to just go. Great, we're here. We're moving forward. But if you're not going to win it this year, and maybe you can have a lucky year, like when the Rangers got Lafreniere, right? Where you're like, oh, we finished like 11th or 12th, but we get the jump in a year where all of these young guys are under their second contracts. That's how you really stretch out your window, how you stretch out your potential, that kind of stuff, like that kind of luck, which doesn't happen all the time. No. But I would rather just wrap up our lottery bullshit now and just be like, we cannot win the lottery. Wherever we finish, we're picking there or two spots lower. Yeah, you no, know what I, I mean. I, I think so, as long as it's not um, another same situation as last year, like that's kind of a bummer way to lock yourself into the two lottery wins in five years. It's like the second pick lottery victory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like to move from third to second, right? Or I guess so. Yeah, it would be that. Yeah, the lottery yeah. odds for a second. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, I am not going to say I wouldn't be ecstatic to also have. Cole Eiserman fall to four or five. You don't want your uh, six foot seven mobile Russian defenseman. I hundred percent do. Because <laughs> he's a righty, right? I believe. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You're right, talking so about Leshenov, right? From Michigan State. No. Uh, God. I, I now I gotta look it up. 
because there's um, Lefshinov, there's Demidov, but he's the forward. Um, and now I can't remember his name, even though I was hyping. Oh, over Anton Siliev. Siliev, yeah. Yeah, Silly, I think yeah. He, I think he's a lefty actually. He's a lefty. It's a left who's who's a righty, who um, the Ducks keep it, but yeah, he's playing at Michigan State, having a good year. Yeah, twenty eight points in thirty games, man. Yeah, but apparently Siliev is. I mean, he, we know he's six foot seven, but he skates like he's you know six two, six three. Like he's got a real smooth, fluid skating style. Ah. Could you imagine a second pairing? Of six foot seven Leshina or six foot seven uh, Siliev and six foot five Noah Warren. Yeah, it's like we're just gonna put out the two most huge people <laughs> that we can possibly find. Or just put the, the them out there with like between him McTavish, and, uh, Gautier, and Carlson. Him and Zellweger like, together. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna put out the biggest fucking five people we can find. I don't oh, know. David Yurchek's little brother. This um. This draft is this draft's interesting, honestly. I know, uh, of course, we're we're somehow diving into draft talk because the Ducks are awful this year, but it's it's clearly Celebrini this year, and it was I guess it was clearly Bedard last it year. It was clearly Bedard last year because um, maybe we no are in a, maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we are in a similar spot to last year where it does feel like, and I know Iserman has fallen a bit, so that I think that's where it's a bit different. Is last year you had. Um, Bedard, Fantilli was in the conversation, but then that quickly changed as Bedard just had a historic year. But then it became Bedard and Carlson, or Fantilli and Carlson, because Carlson had a, a great year, um, and it was up in the air on who they would take there. Now it, it feels like, yeah, Celebrini's the Bedard this year. He's the number one pick, and it's between Demidov and Eiserman, and both of them have their issues, Demidov being Russian and Eiserman having a not-so-great draft year so far um no real it, it and to prep it's a good year it's just not an improvement on last year um where Dude, the Cole Iserman has 38 goals in 37 yeah. games that's why I had to I had to catch myself there because it's not he's, he's not having a bad 60 year points. it's um he's a freak but I do love that it's like I don't know what are we gonna do guys this one guy he's yeah. Russian this other guy he's not very good or, but I mean, he is very good. He's still really, really good. But it's just like one of them's Russian and one of them's having a down year. What are we gonna do? Listen, the, the, the two Russians—they could go two, three, presumably. But then the whole Russian factor plays into it again. Like, I if, seeing Mitchkov fall last year just makes you think there's no way these guys go to anywhere near two or three because the, the same concerns apply this year. I think the only thing that might change is I believe it's Demidov. He only has one more year on that contract with St. Petersburg. So it's not like Mitchkov where Mitchkov has this year and next year uh, right. on that contract where you're waiting a few years for him. You might only have to wait one year. So I don't know. I'd have to double-check that. But then the problem is when you get outside of that, you've got Levshunov who is Belarusian, but he's playing in, in the NCAA, so that concern isn't there. You've got Sam Dickinson, Caden Lindstrom, um, who are playing in the in the CHL, and you've got um, uh, is it? I think it's SoCal native, Zeev Zeev Weem Weem. Yeah, I think I can't. It's, it's I didn't realize his names, brother man. was in the last year, the draft last year. No, oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. So you've got some options there, but I, I mean, outside of Celebrini and Iserman, it's a 
complete toss-up. Like, there's just, like, the rest, essentially. You got a, a Ginless son in the draft this year, too. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for 50-plus goals. Which, he is not going to make it to wherever we get lucky enough to get a second pick. Yeah, no, definitely. They would have to trade up for him. Which, for the record, I would do immediately. I would trade... I think I would honestly... Let's see. What does Anaheim have for draft capital right now? We've got. I would trade. We got one first, but second. presumably should get two, right? If one should, Henry gets. Let's say you have one more. I would trade that first, the Boston second, and two of our third round picks to move up and take Tig. In the top fifteen. Tig. So to move up yeah. into the top fifteen, right? Yeah. Because yeah. presumably, whatever second, whatever pick, second first you get is me. is going to be a below twenty. So. He should go probably in the early teens. And if he went eight or nine because someone fell in love, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Or he just I, gets, I, I uh, gets drafted by he, Dallas and they trade him to, to, to the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Wasn't Brandon Morrow in that trade? I think so. Yeah. That's how he made his way to Dallas, right? I think so. Let's see. Hockey reference... Jerome Aginla. Let's see. Where's your traded by the traded by the Dallas Stars with Corey Millen? Oh, for Joe Newendike. Okay, I was I fe- I was wondering if it was Joe Newendike, but I felt like that was before the time. But I guess not. Hey, do you know who Morgan Klimchuk is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's drafted by I- the Flames. Yeah, how's he doing? Do we know? Uh, I think he's AHL. I, if if not overseas, he drafted in twenty thirteen. Yeah, he might be overseas so now. He he's was like uh, an, an NHL EA Sports legend back in the days. He was like an elite rating guy. Uh, let's see, where is he now? He's he's in the AHL now. He's played one NHL game with the Flames in 2017-2018. He's he's playing with the Belleville Senators right now. I don't even know if that means he's a part of the, the Senators organization or not, like officially signed a contract, or he's just a, on AHL deals. But All right, here we go, Eddie. We're now going to play my favorite game. Morgan Klimchuk went 28, 29, Jason Dickinson, 30, Ryan Hartman. Let's see, 44th, Tristan Yari, 58th, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, let's see, Spender Martin, Jake Gensel, Anthony Duclair, mm-hmm. Pavel Buchnevich, uh, Carter Verhage, Oliver Bjorkstrand, boy, wouldn't Calgary love to have Bjorkstrand right now. Yeah, well, and the, and oh, the Ducks had a go. top 10 player in that first round. Where they got 19, uh, at the 99th pick in the 2013 draft. Do you know who was drafted? No. This is a player in the league right now. A over the last four or five years has emerged as a perennial contender for their position award. That's before Kucherov, right? Or, or <clears throat> after? This would be after Kucherov. After Kucherov. 99, so fourth round. Is it a goalie? Uh-huh. It's not Vassy. Hmm? It's not Vassy, no. no. Give me a hint. Give me an, a country. Uh, They play for the West. Oh. 
they play for a Western team. I'm not going to give you the country. <laughs> okay, it's, it's a dead giveaway then. So he's he's not Canadian or American. So, um, is it is it Soros? Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad for 99, but he's about to get shipped out for Askarov anyway. <laughs> oh boy. Ryan Graves went 110. Let's see. Oh, this is one of the Brodeur kids was in this draft. Let's see. Who's the best? Not a, not a bad draft for Nashville. They got Seth Jones at four and then got uh, Sorrows at 99. Yep. I don't know who else they got. But probably nobody have, have noticed. But. Let's see. Yeah, I'll keep looking. Let's see. Uh, let's see. The Montreal got Jacob De La Rose with their second round pick because that was that must have been the Shea Weber trade, or no, it couldn't have been. It has to be something else. Let's see. Oh, Nashville got Jonathan Ismail Diaby. Whoa. This doesn't mean any. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm so mad at you again already. You're so in, you're in so much trouble right now, and you don't even know it. Why? <laughs> do you know? Do you know who, with the 64th pick in the 2013 draft, the Nashville Predators drafted Jonathan Ismail Diaby? Do you know who that is? No. no you idea. don't. No. But you should. Do you want why? to know why you should know who that is? Why? Because they're in fucking Shorzy. Is he actually? Yeah. Oh, that's why I don't. That's why you're. Yeah, that's why you're mad. That's why I, I'm so pissed at you. I still haven't watched it. Something. <laughs> Part of me, like when I go to watch it, it's like, should I just keep the bait going? And then, so for anybody listening, Dolo was drafted 64th overall that year, two, two picks ahead of Brett Pesci. That's really funny. Amazing. Did he play in NHL games? Diaby, I don't think he did. I do not think he did. I can't imagine. If if any, probably a, a couple of handful. Elite prospects. Let's see what we got. He... No, never played in the NHL. He... Let's see. Yeah. Crazy. Making it work. He played for the Milwaukee Admirals, Cincinnati Cyclones. Yeah, so he was a tweener between the AHL and ECHL. And now he's a raps. <laughs> what do they say in the show? He's a rapist. Not a, <laughs> a rap no. singer. A rap singer. That's what they call him, a rap singer. I love it. It's so, bro, I'm so mad at you right now. I don't even want to talk to you. It's absurd. It's so funny, dude. It's the funniest fucking show in the world. And, and you know, it's not even that I don't want to watch it. It's just like I, I think that honestly makes it worse. It literally like blanks from my mind, and then <laughs> I never end up having like a, a second to sit down and and watch it because I know Jaden's not gonna watch it. So then uh, we're usually watching something we both want to watch. So then I'm sure. like, I got I I no excuse. So I got <laughs> I gotta find some time to watch it. I gotta figure it. Out. I gotta figure this shit out. So, um, but the ducks. Yeah, the <laughs> but, ducks. But the ducks. In case anybody was curious where the season's at. Um, I don't know. Big thing coming up. Something called the trade deadline. Something called the trade deadline's coming up. Um, 
we've talked about who we think is going to get moved out at times, and ironically, and maybe a good thing, um, the two of the Ducks' three best players over the last 13 games since we last recorded have been Adam Henrique and Frank Vitrano. Adam Henrique leading the team in scoring, the only guy, actually, Terry, Troy Terry is also over a point per game, but 15 points for for Adam Henrique and 14 points for Troy Terry over the last stretch of games, and Vitrano has got 10, and nobody else has more than six, so it's been really abysmal beyond those three guys, but the two probably most tradable assets for the Ducks and the two guys who've been in the conversation publicly uh, of who could get traded uh, are the two guys who've been the best performer performers over the last 13 games so i mean that's listen if you're gonna be bad there's two things you want you want your young kids still playing well and looking good and improving and you want your tradable assets being your best players on the team and uh henrique vetrano john gibson to some extent as well have been the ducks best players over uh, this last stretch of games so do we still think adam henrique's getting traded do you think vetrano's getting traded beyond that who else are we looking at? So let's go to the Duckies cap friendly page. So yeah, I think it is unquestionable that Adam Henrique finishes the year somewhere else, unless he does something like he did tonight, where he gets in a fight and breaks his fucking hand on someone's face <laughs> like an idiot. Yeah, I, I you know, All again, that work for nothing. This is a very, it's a very selfish uh, take. Uh, but it is also, you know, he's 34 right now. Like, I don't know how many years he's got left of being able to be a meaningful contributor, and I would like him to get another shot at a cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he breaks his fucking hand fighting for this stupid-ass team, it'll be a big bummer. Uh, so I think Adam Henrique is unquestionably getting traded. I think Ilya Labushkin is unquestionably getting traded. The two, the, the two big UFAs the Ducks have that are movable UFAs because Silverberg's the other one, but I, there's a, absolutely no way you get him in that contract out the door. So here's the thing, I think the next tier is interesting, could potentially move bottom of the lineup players, mm-hmm. which is Lindstrom, Gustav Lindstrom, and Jacob Silverberg. If they have the retention slot, Jacob Silverberg drops down to two point six. Okay. Yep. That is a meaning that that is not nothing, but you can work with that, mm-hmm. and you can always use another team, right? Yep. There's no reason, you know. I don't. I don't know what the setup is, but there's no reason certain teams. Uh, let's see who's terrible. That, that's like the Buffalo or some bullshit. If like you that. get somebody who really wants them, and the offer is good enough that you'll make it work, type thing. Right. Um. I just can't. I can't see somebody willing to give up enough for the Ducks to almost go through hoops there to to make a, a Silverberg trade work. Like again, right. this is still a team that is near the bottom of the league in cap. They're if you're moving Henrique out, even retaining and bringing salary back, you're probably still going to need Silverberg's contract on the books just to kind of hit the cap floor. Um, Maybe. And, yeah, it, it depends, right? It depends on what you bring thing. in and what offers what off, what you get in return, right? So you could move Silverberg. For Jacob Voracek's contract, mm-hmm. get a second or like get a third round pick out of it. Yeah, yeah, just eat, eat salary in, in future years, right? So no, Jacob Voracek's got a he's a UFA. Oh, is he? Okay. And he's not he's on LTIR, but they're not taking or he's on IR, but they're not taking LTIR relief mm-hmm. because they're still under the cap. But they have enough room from the floor 
that they could gain about three and a half million dollars. I think it would be. I think Jacob Borchek was like eight six or eight three somewhere in there. Yeah. They could pick up that extra bit of money, get a useful roster player out of it. Like, come on, like we're gonna say Jacob Silverberg isn't a fucking giant improvement over like Caveman Liam O'Brien. Knock it yeah. off. Yeah. Um, and still be able to then use more better picks, other their prospects, and have extra room to be able to go out and get another meaningful player. Arizona for Silverberg would be a very interesting one because they have a very specific contract that makes it con- uh, makes it doable, right? That is a very specific instance, but I mm-hmm. would pick that phone call. I would make that phone call. Yep. I, I mean, they're in a position that they could fight for a playoff spot too, right? So it, it does make sense to get a player right. who can play on your roster and free up a little bit of cap space to uh, to make any additional moves if you want to go and add somebody to make your you know just make a little bit of a run because Arizona by no means is guaranteed a playoff spot or is a team that's going to go far. But, hey, like if you're on the cusp and you can make some moves that aren't going to cost you significant pieces of your future to just try and, you know, get in, build some excitement around a team that kind of needs some excitement right now and nothing yeah. does that, then, listen, you can get bounced in the first round, but you still made it, right? It's still a significant strides and in, in improvement for them. So I'm sure if they're, they feel like they're in the race, um, they definitely could, right? And like you said, you're gaining a... Uh, a player who can play in your roster for for nothing and getting a little bit of cap relief for yeah. a little bit of cap extra cap space to work with to make some other moves. Sam Carrick is a UFA, mm-hmm. and I think that's an interesting person to watch. And then you've also got Max Jones, Isaac Lundestrom, and Brett Leeson. Yeah, and those are the guys. That Benoit was Olivier Gruel are also all pending RFAs. Yeah, those three were interesting. We did Leeson. Jones, Lindstrom, um, because yeah, I, I mean they're again you don't have to move them because they're not your phase, but do you just try and make the decision to get something for them now, then even explore that that contract discussion or trying to move their rights in the off season because they're they're kind of at that point right where you need to make a decision on their future. Um, the contract's not going to be a long term one, but do you really need another testing season from Lindstrom? and Jones and Leeson to see what you got. I mean, Leeson's been great this year. Jones and Lindstrom have both kind of dealt with their injury problems at times. but um, Both have looked good when they've played. Like, I, yeah. I, I really, like, I don't have a bad... Like, here's here is the problem. I don't have a bad thing to say about 80, 85% of this roster. Mm-hmm. The parts of concern are parts of concern, but it is what it is. Which is why I just think it's so interesting. If you're looking, like, if you're a team like Colorado, would you give up a first round pick and Kalem Ritchie to get Isaac Lundestrom for Ryan Johansson? Just to free that cap space. But it's, it's a lot. I so mean, you lot, could do but... that. You could do, I mean, hell, you could do Lundestrom and 50% on Haddam and Reek. Mm hmm. I mean, they're, they're listen. They're going to be a team that's going to be looking to buy for sure with the right? problems that they have. That gives you two guys who could potentially fill in. First of all, all three positions, and second of all, potentially fill in as a second line center. Neither of those guys are second line centers, but yeah. I know both of them are a better option right now than Ryan fucking Isaac Isaac Lindstrom just feels like a Colorado player. The, the guys yeah. that they've 
tried to feels kind of Obey Kubeli. Yeah, yeah, multi, you know, uh, players you can play in different positions do play different roles, right? Multifaceted type players. Right. Uh, the, the Avs have kind of made a living at making those types of trades and bringing those those guys in over the last couple of years. So definitely, yeah, him. He would be a guy I could I could see them interested in in bringing in, um, whether it's a part of a bigger deal of also shipping Johansson out or not, or even just going out and just getting him, right? Getting him for, you know, third round pick or something like that, whatever they can to bring him in. Um, it, it, it could be something that the Ducks should be interested in, but I think it makes more sense potentially in a bigger deal like that, right? Where you let him go, but you also get a little bit more in return by bringing down some salary. Uh, and it, it makes it a little bit easier to move guys like Adam Henrik out the door, right? Right, and it would be insanely funny to get Ryan Johansson to Anaheim. Literally nobody would be happy. He no. might refuse to report. <laughs> He'll get that, booed on his, his, his first... Uh, oh, God, dude, list. that would be... Somebody pointed it out, like, mentioned it, and it made me think about it, and I have not been able to stop thinking about how funny that would be, and I hate that fucking guy. Like, let's be very clear. Like, I cannot stand that dude. But him having to come to Anaheim because he bottomed out out so bad in Colorado after gonna, being a giant disappointment in Nashville would be insanely funny. People are going to throw plastic turtles on the ice. <laughs> what about uh, what about Frankie? Frankie B. You know, this one's hard for me, man. I think they should trade him, but I don't want to. I don't want them to. I I think I think you have to get a first round pick. Yeah, because like he, he's outperformed what he's getting paid, and he's just he reminds me of like one of those guys that goes from way more than they should every year, or at least like that's the public perception is they've gone for way more than they should, like the the Blake Coleman's and the Brandon Hagels and the Barkley Goodrolls, like right. those types of guys, right? That have that extra year or two on their contract are making kind of around that three to three and a half million dollar range. Um, and our our fill a, a role, and in this case, you know, a goal scoring kind of physical, energetic forward that a team is comfortable playing on their first line. I think one of the uh, articles I mentioned to you um, before we recorded was somebody saying like, could the Rangers bring him back to play on their first line with mm-hmm. Jad and Kreider? I think those are the types of teams that would be looking to bring him in is to play him in that position. And at that point, if that's what you're acquiring him for. The Ducks should be asking for a first-round pick because you're right. getting a guy for two years. He's going to go to a contender. That first-round pick is going to be a late first-round pick. They're going to get two years out of him. I think, like, listen, if you walk out of this trade deadline and you move just Henrik and Vitrano as the two big deals and you get two first-round picks this year for that, that's huge for the Ducks to walk away and have three first-round picks. Absolutely this monstrous. If you could get Vitrano for Capo Caco... Bro, like, or if you can get Capocac over Vetrano, I think you have to do it. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting possibilities. I want to keep him. Everything about me that is not the rational, analytical, whatever, wants me to keep him. It is a purely an emotional thing um, because I do think he provides – I mean, he provides depth scoring. This team needs goals. But I also just think from a personality standpoint, yeah, he just fits in really well. He's really feisty, but he's still kind of – he still seems kind of laid back. He still kind of seems like he's having fun, and then he just gets feisty when he gets – like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it pops off when it does, but, like, he plays physical. He plays with a little bit of an edge, but, like, he he's not, like, a pest. 
he just has no problem mixing it up despite being, you know, one of the smaller guys on the ice every time he's out there. And I just like having him around. I just think he's a really fun player. I think he's a fan favorite type player. And I think it'd be cool if Anaheim was able to keep him. But I think if what you're looking at is the reality of we're either trading him this year the next or next year, then I think you should look at moving him this year. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be considerable interest in offers out there for him that it's going to be this a type of scenario where the Ducks just get an offer that's too good to refuse, right? Like it's right. I, he's just going to be one of the more sought after multi-year contract guys available at the deadline because of the term and his production and the role he fills that, again, he, he he's the Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, Brandon Hagel type guy available at the deadline this year. He's just going to fill that role. Uh, and those guys always go for more than everybody expects. And the offer at the time is one that always benefits the selling team. So I, I think I think ultimately we definitely see Henry go. We definitely see Labushkin go. I think Vitrano is the next most likely. And then the other names we mentioned are, are kind of up in the air and whether they go or not. Um, that leaves the one guy that at times we've, we felt should get traded will get traded, maybe not. Where do you stand on John Gibson? Because, I, I don't know, man, the, it's fading a bit for me uh, on my thoughts. If fading in what sense? Him. Explain that to me. What is fading? I, just, I don't know. I, I have nothing to back it up. There's no statements, no comments, no nothing. But I just don't think there's going to be a suitor willing to pay what the Ducks are wanting that's also going to be able to make the cap work heading into this deadline. You know, the the teams that we earmarked as potential options for, I think New Jersey was one of them. They have Nico Dawes now has come up and played really well. Uh, Vanacek's been kind of rebounded a little bit. They still have Schmied. So they've got three guys they can roll with. They don't really necessarily have to go out and make that big move. I feel like it's taken them down a little bit from... The desperation I thought they'd be in at that point. Toronto was in that spot, but Wall should be coming back. Samsonov has seemingly rebounded from his his AHL demotion and come back and played pretty well, and the Leafs are rolling right now. So it just feels like the teams that were needing him when we last talked about this, maybe the urgency isn't there as much as it was when we last talked about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Purely a feel thing. No... Nothing no, for that. sure. Yeah. I, I think the Devils still really need him. Mm-hmm. They're two points out of the wild card spot. They need it bad. Um, still the most likely destination for me. Of where I, I think so. I think beyond that, though, I do think it certainly gets a lot harder to make a case for moving him somewhere. Um, the only other place would maybe be Carolina. Um, but beyond that, you know, I don't, I don't really think there's much there. Let me ask you this. Would you be willing to retain on John Gibson? He's got how many left? How many? Uh, I think he's got three years left. Three years? Let's check. Yeah. Three more years. 24, 25, 25, 26, 26, 27. Yeah. So he's a free agent summer of 27. I think it, it depends on what you're getting in return. No, no, I no, think... no, no. Let's, let's say 
you can get a return that is roughly equatable, right? Let's say yep. within 10% of winning or losing the trade. So there's a little bit of wiggle room, like, oh, not the best value, or oh, they got a little extra value, whatever. But you're not getting, like, totally ripped off, and you're not, you know, getting seven first-round picks because he turned into a $3 million player or whatever the yeah. fuck. No, Just I, on I, principle, for uh, three yeah. more years plus this, whatever's left of this one, would you retain salary? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'd go as high as 50%, but um, I'd retain around I, 15 20% of it. So a I think mil, it's two million. I think yeah. two million is the answer for me. Yeah. If you turn him into a player who is worth less than four and a half million dollars against the cap, mm-hmm. he becomes a very attractive option. Oh, for a hundred percent, yeah. And and it's only two million for the next couple of years, and you, you know it's it doesn't really affect you next year. It, it maybe starts hurting you a little bit near the end of that second year into the final year, but looking if the cap at, goes up. Yeah, it, it it's negligible. It's it's two million, right? So unless you're pushed to go up against the cap, which the Ducks really are, um, it's not something that's going to hurt you too much. So if it right. it's the difference between winning and losing that trade, and if it helps you get some something a little extra, um, that's going to benefit you in the long run. I, I'm all for it, man. I, I I don't think it's the worst deal to retain salary on, and, and if it's not something significant like half of that, like if it's not three point two million or whatever. Um, I'm fine with around that that two that two million mark, and I think that works for both sides, right? Where the Ducks aren't retaining too too much, that's going to hurt them. Um, and then if you know the other team gets John Gibson at less than four and a half, like you said, which is a really good value deal for them for the next couple of years. Yeah, I I, I think yes, I think you can only reta- I don't think you can retain just to move him. I think that's a waste. But I certainly think there's value in if we can get, again, 5 to 10%, whatever direction you want to look at it, mm-hmm. that you have to seriously consider it. And I think he certainly earned it and deserved it. And I've talked about that before. And I know that's not the best way to look at some of these things, but I do think, you know, you never want to be in a position where people are bad-mouthing your organization because they don't feel like you take care of them or you didn't honor their service and things like that. I do think that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. Um, two surprise teams for John Gibson. Okay. First one, you've mentioned this before. I don't know how a deal like this would get worked out, but the Kings as a potential landing spot. I mean, their their slide from grace has been historic. It's Arvidsson. It's, um, it's, it's, it's Victor Arvidsson. It's the only way it works. You have to eat probably one and a half to two million. It's Victor Arvidsson, and then you have to figure out yeah. what... The Kings what need to do something simple. because they're they're in a almost a win it before Kopitar and Doughty retire situation. Talbot yeah. and Riddich are UFAs, so it makes sense for them to say, okay, well, we're going to go get John Gibson, we're going to bring him in for the next three years, and we're going to see what we can do with this. Now, I think the Kings probably number one target if they can somehow make it work is UC Sorrows if he does end up leaving Nashville to bring in a younger goaltender to to sure. fit into their system, but I I wouldn't rule it out because. Talbot's been injured and he's kind of fallen off also, from the way he started the year. And Riddich is not a number one goaltender. Right. Sorry. Uh, the other thing is nobody has seen, or very few teams 
have gotten as good of a consistent look at the ups and downs of John Gibson's career yep. than the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. Like, if anybody is going to be in a position to be like, no, I think we can make this work, it would be LA. He doesn't have to necessarily move right away. Like, maybe, yeah, you move over the summer or something like that because he is in Laguna, I think. And, like, you know, whatever. You know he knows That's a not... lot of those guys, and but it's it's less exactly. of a transition. He a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. That, you know, it's it's a lot easier on his kids and things like that, I am sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, moving across a city or from one city to another, like, that are next to each other is significantly easier. Mm-hmm. Or between two counties touching each other, whatever. It's yep. all the same shit. Yep. Don't tell anybody outside of this podcast I said that. <laughs> uh, but I think... He, I do think L.A. and New Jersey make the most sense. And I do think if you're L.A. and you're Rob Blake, you have put yourself in a very weird spot. I think Eric Stevens just wrote about this, that, like, Rob Blake's body ass is on the chopping block now. Yeah. He fired Todd McClellan, who, up until three weeks ago, four weeks ago, was, like, Coach everybody was candidates. talking how – Yeah, he was a fucking Jack Adams guy. Everybody <laughs> was like, he's doing a great job. Look at this yeah. team, blah, 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 blah. You know, they're not even getting production from PLD. Eleven in a row? Something ridiculous? Something obnoxious. (laughs) Let's see. LA Kings. Which is insane because they're still 24, 16, 3, 5, 2. There was a stretch there. I got to Schedule. I think right here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 8 in a row. And and then uh, 10 of their last 11 before that. And well, here's the other thing. So eight in a row, and then it's one win against Carolina, then it's two losses, then it's one win against the Rangers, and, and then losses. four fucking losses. Like, yeah, and holy then they just got blown out by the Sabers. The Sabers seven nothing tonight. So um, doesn't get any easier for them. Yeah, I, I feel like a move is coming for them. They're, they're going to get desperate because they're they're in a good spot still. They can turn it around. But uh, I'm, I'm imagining. Probably in wild card right now. Yeah, number one wild card standing. St. Louis is right there. The Kings have some games in hand, but Predators and Calgary and Seattle and Minnesota are all pressing for that spot. So they're in a race now. And the main difference for them, I think, is goaltending because Talbot has not been as dominant as he was to start the year. And then again, like I said, Riddich isn't a starter. Um, so I think they'll go down the younger route first test the waters for the guys like Saros that are out there and available. Um, but ultimately, that could bring you back to, to, to John Gibson. I think New Jersey might honestly be in the same position as well because they have a younger core to look at that they might be looking for the, the younger starter that can they can build around to be to, to start with. But ultimately, one team's going to get him and one team's not, and John Gibson, I think, is going to be one of the next best options. The other team I was looking at is uh, Philadelphia. The whole, yeah, the whole Carter Hart situation and not knowing what's going to go on there with him and when and if he's going to be back in the NHL or whether he even should be back in the NHL. Um, they're a team that's in a very good position, but they're running with Cal Peterson and Samuel Erson right now. Um, Bro, a team that is not young. Cal Peterson for John Gibson is a fascinating trade. The cap space would be interesting, but they do have some bigger contracts. And, I mean, if L.A. can make it work, then Philadelphia can make it work. Um, Apparently they hate Morgan Frost. 
I mean, we've already <laughs> already made trades with them once this year. The dry sale trade, a big trade. Um, it would be interesting, man. It's one they definitely didn't think they'd be have to be doing. But um, no Carter Hart, presumably for a long time. Um, they might do it. I mean, they're in a position they have to make. They have to do something. And they oh, would be the one team, I think, Eddie, that wouldn't Eddie, be... Eddie, 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 Eddie. Are you looking at their cap-friendly page? Philly, yep. Okay. So you see where it says defense? Yep. Scroll down. Yep. You see where it says goalies? Yep. Scroll down. Yep. See where it says non-roster? Yeah. Scroll down. Yeah. You see Ryan where it says Ellis. injured reserve? Ryan Ellis. Yeah. Now, if you look to the right, he makes $6.25 million a year against the cap for four years. Mm-hmm. $150,000 less than John Gibson for the exact same span. Yep. That is a guaranteed LTIR contract. Mm-hmm. And they're Ryan not using his LTIR right done. now either. So. Nope. Eddie. How is Ryan Ellis not on the Anaheim Ducks right now? Uh, listen, man, like, Carter Hart's an RFA. I, again, they're not going to make a decision until they find out Look, what is actually going to happen with that. The I thing. don't think they're going we to... You don't need to get into the whole no. thing. None of those guys are playing for two years. At least two years. They yeah. are not NHL players for at least the next two years. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, i got to be honest, it's not looking fucking great. No. But I, I, what right. I mean by that is I don't think they're going to go the young goaltender route because right. there's still they, they there's still going to be a belief that he could potentially come back. So I don't think they – but the timeline makes sense for them. You get John Gibson for three years while this gets sorted out. You then have a decision to make after that where is – You just extended Samuel Erson. He makes yeah. less than a million and a half. And Erson no, proved he was a good backup this year behind Carter Hart. Just not the starting guy. Um, you, you know, Cal Peterson again makes five million dollars, which is un- unbelievable. That's insane. <laughs> but it's only for the next two years, so it is what it is. And again, like you said, I mean, whether it's Cal Peterson coming back or it's or it's Ryan Ellis, it's up to the Flyers. I think either one of them could be the guy that comes back at this point. Um, and then you just have to look at uh, at prospects from their prospects. Um, if they have any left after we hijacked their number one prospect at Cutter Gauthier. But, um, you know, you're not looking at uh, a, um, a, a Matt V. Mitchkov, but maybe, you know, Bobby Brink has played some games with the Flyers this year, hasn't stuck around. He's looked pretty good. He could be a guy that you, you look at bringing in. Um, they've got some good young defensemen as well. Like it's an interesting option. It's an interesting option that wasn't available. They got two first round picks, theirs and Florida, which are are not. You know, they're going to be late, but they have the assets to make it work, and they definitely have the, the oh, need and desire. So, I, if it happens, it's going to be one of those three teams. I think it's got to be New Jersey, LA, or Florida, or uh, Philadelphia, just because of the need for a goaltender, uh, the desperation that's going to mount, and the positions that each of those teams are in to try and make a run. Eddie, does Cal Peterson's $5 million contract and Garnet Hathaway's 2.4, just under, million dollar contract make too much sense? You just want a Garnet Hathaway. No, I don't. I don't. Please don't do this to me. Ross I already have Johnston, to deal. fourth line. <laughs> I already have to deal with Johnny Evans being back on fucking United. I can't, I can't have Garnet Hathaway anywhere near the Ducks. They can trade him immediately as far as I care. I hate that fucking guy. Yeah. Um, 
it, it does. It does make sense it, because oh, it's money you can you can move, right? Um, that makes a lot of sense. And besides, if we were going for the ultimate me fourth line, it's bring back Nicholas Delorier. Yeah, <laughs> and have Johnston and Delorier on opposite wings of like what Benoit Gruel. That's it would, that's it would the dream nice. right there. I do think the big piece for the Ducks potentially would be would be getting uh, would be getting Bobby Brink from from the Flyers because it seems like of the young players. I mean, obviously Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost have been there all year, and Fair being Konechny are, are no longer prospects for that team. They're they're core players, and Tyson Forrester seems to be the guy that's taken over. From Bobby Brink and and solidified that that roster spot. And I mean, Brink was good. The Sherman hit 18 points, I think, in about 30 some odd games, 38 games, for the Flyers. He's back down in the AHL right now, where he's almost at a point per game. It'd be a nice little piece, nice little winger depth that uh, the Ducks could bring into the system. A guy that is either NHL ready or close to being NHL ready. You get mm-hmm. a pick in there as well. Um, some salary coming back, maybe get some some more compensation with players, picks, prospects for bringing that salary back to, to make the deal work. Um, and it, even if you decide to retain on the deal as well, you you know we already talked about that. You sweeten the pot a little bit. So Flyers definitely have the assets. You know, you say maybe again, I'm I'm sure Flyers fans that would if any of them were listening to this, they'd be like, absolutely not, that's insane. But maybe you look at Brink in a first round pick and. You start there and see how things go, right? I'm sure that uh, that feels like an overpayment for some, but the desperation is going to be real for the Flyers. I don't think they expected to be in the position that they're at, and with the way this roster is constructed, you got to take advantage of the fact that you're in, you're in a good position to make a run this year. 100%. No, I think it's an interesting one, especially because you know they've been talking a lot about like trying to find a balance between you know, developing their young guys and, and, and being aggressive within their window and appreciating, you know, the kind of the gift of a season they've found themselves with. Well, listen, like, um, didn't they just extend Owen Tippett to a pretty significant amount of money? And this is his yes, last year. Yes, they did. His last year making 1.5. He goes to 6.2 next year. Um, and I believe, I don't know, Sandheim's extension is already, um, yeah, already started, but. And That's a big chunk of their cap going into that next year. There are two players real quick I want to mention before I mention something else. Mm-hmm. Do you think Bakkenainen gets traded? I mean, it's possible. I think with Labuchkin going out the door, probably not. Um, but again, I mean, if you get, you get a, a good offer, like you've got guys who could fill the role. I mean, Zellweger can easily come back up. Minchikov is back now. You, you have Gustav Lindstrom who's been brought in. Like, right. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's 50-50. I think it, you just have to have a team that's interested in him and, and wants to pay enough to make it willing for the Ducks to ship him out the door. I could certainly see him being more of a traded his RFA rights at the draft player. Mm-hmm. Or an added piece of a, another trade where you're bringing sure. some depth back, right? So, The other question I had for you is Ryan Stroh. Is there any world you think in which he gets moved? No. Or do you think any shine on that apple has quickly fallen off and I, he makes $5 million for like three more years <laughs> yeah, after makes, this I month? think he makes too much for too long and 
there's two other players that make a decent amount of money on this roster we've already talked about that are more likely to get traded by a significant margin. Like Henrik and Vertrano are way, way right. more likely to get shipped out to the door. Henrik is almost a foregone conclusion for me. With Henrik yes. going, I don't think you can, you can one, move Strom out or find a team that'd be willing to take on that, that contract at, at this point. Um, Strom Pimenta, baby. I think he, yeah. I mean, yeah, unless you're doing a deal right that, like that, right? That's the only way I can see it happening. But then I don't see a world where you move all three of them. Like that, uh, that seems like a, a, a little bit of an overkill in, in too much. Like you don't, I don't think you ever really see too many teams do that much reshuffling uh, of core <laughs> roster players at the deadline. So I think the most we see is probably a, a big name players is uh, is Vitrano and Henrique. I don't think we get, and maybe Gibson. Like I, that's the trio I can see because you can, you can, you can understand that. You can justify that. Beyond that, Strom might be the of the big name in the, in the big money earners. He's probably the fourth most likely, but there's a there's a big gap I think between Henrique, Petrano, Gibson, and then Strom's like way down here in in likeliness of of getting moved out. Can I ask you, all right, I want to ask you one last question, then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, go for it. Why shouldn't Anaheim trade Troy Terry this year? <laughs> he, st- he, st- he started slow, and I would have normally said, because you don't want to trade an asset, asset like that at this lowest value, but he's, he's quickly heated up. And, Here's and, the and, thing. Yeah. He has the rest of this year and next year without any trade protection. After that, he gets a uh, he gets a modified no trade clause where he can pick a ten team no trade list. The other thing that I think is worth pointing here is, boy, wouldn't say Winnipeg love to get their hands on him mm-hmm. wouldn't pittsburgh maybe I mean, love to get their hands on him wouldn't anybody right yes but i think there are a handful of teams he makes a lot of sense for i think he makes a lot of sense for florida if you're florida instead of trading or instead of extending sam reinhardt you can add a two-way winger with term who's going to come in for less money than reinhardt is going to get he's younger He's going to have term. He's a really good defender. He could fit really – like, yo, are you telling me being able to go Kachuk, Barkov, and Lundell Terry isn't a really exciting prospect if you're Florida? Mm-hmm. He fits in on their timeline age-wise. He's younger than Kachuk, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, why shouldn't Anaheim trade Troy Terry right now? Other than he's awesome and we adore him, he's under contract, he means a lot to this franchise, clearly. Other than all of that, which I don't think is nothing, I'm not trying to be funny, instead of all this Trevor Zegers bullshit, why doesn't it make more sense to trade Troy Terry? I mean, listen, I, I don't have a a solid answer to say and, and solid argument to say it's not a good idea or it's not it, it's better wording of that is it's not a bad idea to consider moving him out it just depends on what you're going to get for him but again like he is 
26. He's got seven years left on this deal at seven million. It's not the it's not the worst deal. To, to, there's plenty of teams that I think could be willing to take that on. Like you said, Florida, instead of having to re-sign Sam Reinhardt in a contract year for close probably to ten million dollars, the way he's playing right now. You can get Troy Terry for seven for the next seven years and extend that window a little bit and have a bit more cap space to work with. I, I definitely think that would be something they, they would be interested in because I feel like they could think that they'd be able to get just as much out of Troy Terry as they got out of Sam Reinhardt, putting him in the same situation. Um, I think personally it would some, be something that happens in the offseason. I don't think I, I can't. It just does not feel like a deadline day deal. It doesn't. It doesn't make for me. It doesn't make sense for the Ducks to move him at the deadline. Um, it, I don't think it makes sense for those teams to acquire him at the deadline. Well, if we're talking Florida, you might as well just run out the year with Sam Reinhardt as your personal rental, and then look to make that trade in the off season to acquire a player like Troy Terry and just opt to not re-sign Reinhardt, right? Right. So, I think. It doesn't make sense for the Ducks now in the short term, but beyond this season, you know, beyond the, you know heading into the draft and free agency and in that time period, I think it's it's certainly a possibility. I think there will be teams that would definitely inquire on it, um, and and I wouldn't say it's the worst idea in the world, depending on what you can get in return. And you know, the return is going to be huge uh, on on a player like Troy Terry with the, the term that he has and the talent that he has. Um, there's a lot of rosters that he could fit in. We'd even mention Colorado. I think that could be a great for him, fit for him as well. Um, yep. And hometown for him as well. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't argue, man. I, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. I really don't. I just think it, again, it, like, like most trades, but it depends on what you're going to get in return and how that fits into whatever the timeline would be for the Ducks and how that timeline changes that now that you've moved Troy Terry out the door. Because more likely than not, it shrinks your timeline. or It, it shrinks is probably not the best word, but it, it makes your projections for when you make the playoffs probably a little bit later, a couple of years more down the road that, that you've lost that established player because you're likely not getting someone as good right now as Troy Terry is back in that trade. You're likely getting futures, either prospects or picks. Ideally, in this scenario, you're getting prospects that can fill out the holes in your roster that you have right now, You know the, the weaker depth points of your prospect so that, pool. I think that's what this. you're hoping for. Let's pivot off of that into this conversation. What are those holes? I mean, they've they've done a really good job of filling them, because the hole you would have said is goal scoring talent on the wing, uh, and they moved out uh, from a position of strength on defense and Jamie Drysdale and brought in Carter Gauthier. Um I would still say at wing, and you know whether it's mm-hmm. another goal scorer or just a, you know, a multi talented winger, uh, because we Jacob Pro hasn't really developed the way you hoped. Pastrov is starting to get going, but you know, still a long ways away. Tracy hasn't really gone the way you hoped either. So I, I think at wing, they're they're still looking at a player, but you're likely getting that in the top half of this draft. Um, beyond that, like it, it's tough, man. It, it and, and like maybe it's being a bit of a homer and, and liking our prospects a little bit too much, but like you can't really point to a weakness at defense when you're rocking. Lacombe, Minchikov, Zellweger, Tristan Leno, right? Like it, it's hard to p- poke holes in that, and then you've got still got guys like Noah Warren. 
um, at center. Like, that's definitely not positional weakness for the Ducks now, considering Cutter Goat, they could play center, but then you've got McTavish and Leo Carlson now. So you, you really aren't hurting for your your, your likely one-two punch down the middle is Carlson McTavish for the next however many years. And Zegras is still in that mix as well as being a guy that could play there. So I would say if there is any holes for the Ducks, it, it's another winger. But I don't see it as much of a hole now now that you've brought in Cutter Goche. Do you think you could talk Columbus into Troy Terry, Isaac Lundestrom, Drew Hellison, and a third-round pick for Patrick Line and David Yerchek? Yeah, I th- I think the 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 want from Columbus to move on from Patrick Laine is there. I think the want for Patrick Laine to move on from Columbus is also there from the player side of things. Um, the hangup becomes David David Yerichek, right? Like that's that's the hangup in that deal right. is is if the Ducks are exploring that, they're willing to talk about moving on from Troy Terry. I think the rest of that pieces of the deal are, are there's you know there's no hangups there for the Ducks side of thing. And again, we've already heard the rumors and everything about Patrick Lyon and Columbus. So yeah, the real hang-up is David Yerchek and whether Columbus would move on from him and, or if they feel like that deal is even. But you do get Drew Hellison in return, so you aren't completely void of getting some sort of depth or replacement at the position. Still a right-shot defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy Terry's the best player in that deal, so you do need mm-hmm. to make up for it somewhere else. And then obviously Hellison and Lindstrom in the third-round pick offset it. So I think it's a fair deal. I think it's is an interesting one for the Ducks because you move Troy Terry out, but you bring another winger in who can still contribute at this, close to the same level, maybe provide a different thing that the Ducks need in terms of being a potential 40 to 50 goal goal scoring threat in this team. Right. Uh, and you bring in uh, David Yerichek, who's among the top defensive prospects in this league. Um, I would love it personally. I, again, I, I love Troy Terry, but I've all, ever since we've been linked with Patrick Laine, we've talked about how this would be a perfect fit for a Ducks team that's void of goal-scoring talent. Uh, and then J- David Yerchek's almost a, a cherry on top there. Yeah, I mean, I think you know if you start to look at a Minchikov, Yerchek, Zellweger, Leno top four. To go with your Carlson, McTavish, Gautier, Zegris forward group. Line A in there, too. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. shit, man. Yeah. I don't no, know. It's, there's, a uh, there's a lot to like about that. I, I think I think the hang-up would be from Columbus's end. Again, whether they're willing to move on from Juracek and, and what they even want to do at this point. Like, right. are, are they going to just tear it down? Because you felt like, well, bringing in Goudreau meant, no, they're not going to tear it down. They're going to try, and, and it just has not worked out. They're in an interesting situation where they got to figure that out. And this would mean they're not willing to tear it down, and they're bringing in Troy Terry to try and be competitive and hope that Fantilli continues to progress and, you know, Ken Johnson also continues to do well and that, you know, maybe moving out what they deem as a problematic player in Patrick Line and bringing in a guy like Troy Terry helps kind of rejuvenate that a little bit 
Um, so it, it is all about the direction that the, the, the Blue Jackets want to go in. But I think ultimately it is a deal that works out for both teams. It's just uh, whether Jerichek skips, uh, tips the scales or not. Right. I At this point, dude, I think that the two places of concern on this roster are right defense and goal scoring. I think you can look at McTavish's boom and bust goal scoring potential. You can look at Leo Carlson's ability to make plays. He has shown an ability to finish. He has shown an ability to link plays together. You can look at Cutter Gauthier and the fact that they flat out said, this dude scores goals in big games. We wanted him. You're still about another shooter short. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're. they're lacking in... A, in uh, this word is maybe thrown out improperly, but like an elite goal scorer, a pure sniper, a pure goal scorer, like that is their skill set. I feel like they are... Void of having one of those, where I think Cutter Goche is a great shooter. I don't think he's going to come into the league and ever really be that pure shooter, right? Like that Patrick Lyonet type guy. Um, it's right. why it's why any deal we've ever mentioned about Gibson going to New Jersey, I've said you got to try and get Alexander Holtz. Right. Uh, I mean, he, again, he, he still has a lot of development to go, but the one thing that that kid has always had is one of the best shots in the last few drafts that anybody's ever seen. Right. He's a very, very quick release, and he brings a different aspect to this Ducks pool and, and system of wingers that they have, um, where you thought maybe Perot could be that guy. Alexander Holtz is that guy at another level, a little bit more developed already and a lot more potential for being that you know 30 to 40 guy every season down the road. That's why you should look at, you know, a line a or trying to acquire a guy like that. The problem is there just aren't too many guys like that that you can go it up and get. Like that's that's the thing. And even at the top end of this draft, I mean, it's it, you, Cole Eisenman, right? Like that's the guy that you hope to get. And why, you know, when even with the struggles that Cole Eisenman has had this year, I think if you're not getting Celebrini, if you're the Ducks and what you need right now, he's the guy you got to go get because that's what they're short on. And yeah, moving Drysdale, I think, in a secondary outside of the goal scoring need, moving Drysdale does mean that you probably need to bring in another right shot defenseman who has top four potential. I don't think you need an elite right shot defenseman, but right. you know, Tristan Luno, I guess, can fill that role and he could be that guy. But you need another one because it's a little bit of a drop off from Luno to Warren at this point, right? So it, uh, it it wouldn't hurt to bring somebody else in. Yeah, and you know, again, things worth saying. Tyson Hines has played his offside. Owen Zellweger has played his offside. Jackson Lacombe has played his offside. Eurovacaninen has played his offside. Like, there are ways to create a strong top four that don't require Anaheim to go out and get another right-handed defenseman. Yep. It is more of a, boy, it sure would be nice to have a couple of these guys in the pipeline. Yeah, 100%. I I still really like Noah Warren, and I really like the way he fits into the picture of what this blue line looks like it has the chance to turn into. But I would be kidding you 
if I didn't say it would be really nice if we had the best 5-6 right D. Right? The best third pair right defenseman in the league. Like, that would rock. Yeah. And that requires either someone to show up and be special out of nowhere, and maybe that's Alevchanov or something like that. Maybe that's Connor Smith or Rodman Dionisio or one of these guys, right? Mm-hmm. But going out and getting someone from the top of the draft, similar to the Gautier situation, makes a lot of sense to me. Is it this year that the draft is in Vegas at the Sphere? Uh, yeah, no. Or is that next year? It's next year. This year it's in Montreal, I think. Because I saw something about the Rangers owner um, wanted to keep their pick for the year that they're in the sphere. Because I was saying... Like, oh, then maybe that is this year. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me, let me check. Uh, 2024. It changes how I, um, I word this next point. It is... No, yeah, it's at the sphere in Las Vegas this year. So. Yeah, because... Uh, What's the name? James Dolan, you're right, wanted mm-hmm. to be able to make the pick and make it. Into so the assuming the Rangers, fucking... yeah, I know. Assuming the Rangers hold on to their pick this year, which they absolutely shouldn't, but let's assume they do. If you can move Vitrano and Henrique to the Rangers and you get Capo Caco and your boy, Braden Schneider, coming back. Yep. You get a right shot defenseman, you get a goal scoring winger in Capo Caco, and then you can move John Gibson out the door. Uh, in a trade to New Jersey, and you get Alexander Holtz plus back. Does that fill all the holes of weakness we've talked about? You get Kako and Holtz. Yeah, one hundred percent it does. And you get Schneider at right D, and you get some other pieces in there, but you fill those. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. If you just swing a deal and get Schneider and Kako, yeah, it, it, it does I'm that done. already. Yeah. Got, like yeah. to me. Because now what that does is that gives you Braden Schneider, who fits that profile similar to what Noah Warren is going to be, which is a hard-nosed right-handed shot who is going to be able to step up, make big hits. You have some you know, work on his game that needs to be done. He hasn't quite followed up on the promise of his rookie season and that rookie run in the playoffs that he had. But I think it's certainly reasonable to say that the potential is there. I also think... For Braden Schneider, and again, the type of game that he plays, me personally, and the way I like that things work, if I can go get a kid who was drafted high because of his physicality, his defensive ability, and I get to say, oh, you got to spend two, three years playing with Jacob Truba. Now I'm going to have another two to three years of you playing with Radko Gudis. And then on top of that, you're going to be under the guy who was an integral part of the Pelic Pollock development. Boy, I'm feeling really good. Oh, and I also have Scott Niedermeyer in my building who helps yeah. to work on our defensive stuff. Like, again, I have tweeted about this, and I know we have all talked about this online and different things like that. There has been a little bit of guild, not guild, uh, a little bit of bloom off the rose, I guess, is how I want to say it, with Cronin and some of the warts and things. And I know a lot of people are very frustrated with Ross Johnston and Brett Leeson and some of the way that thing. People are frustrated with the way he's deployed the power play with some of the different things. I think we can all safely say this team has made definitive strides under him in a meaningful way. And the things that we are upset about are things that were already problems and we just 
would have liked to see move farther forward as some of the other parts of the team have moved farther forward under Greg Cronin. I really like the idea of kind of taking the Montreal approach where they're just like, oh, we need forwards and really we need centers. So we're going to go out and trade for Kirby Dak. We're going to go out and trade for Alexander Newhook. We're just going to go find guys and see if Martin St. Louis can fix them because they're young and they're talented and he's really smart and he's a really good coach or we think he's a really good coach. Can he fix these guys? And we can really blow up on the cheap. I think doing something like that with Braden Schneider and Greg Cronin makes a lot of sense. Barkley Gaudreau, Capo Caco, Braden Schneider, conditional first, where maybe it's a first if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and a second if they don't, right? Mm -hmm. For 50% of Rico and Petrano and Gustav Lindstrom or some bullshit, or back and I uh, yeah, dude, it, I I I make that deal right now. I make that deal immediately. Yeah, while it it does feel like a you know like an an a video game type type trade, um, when you look at the Rangers roster, like it it starts to make a little bit more sense, and it because mm-hmm. the Rangers have two significant RFA's next year needing contracts. One of them being Capocaco, the other one being Braden Schneider. They only have four million dollars of cap space. The only real guy coming off the books and not really coming off the books is Ryan Lindgren because he's an RFA as well. He's making $3 million. I would imagine they would like to keep him um, and yeah. keep him, Miller, Truba, and Fox. Well, right there, there's your top four. There's your four guys. And Brandon Schneider is having a good year and had a good year last year and is playing a lot of games in the NHL. I'm sure he's going to want to make more than the $925,000 on his entry-level contract that he's making right now. You've got two years left of Igor Shesterkin making 5.6 before that guy demands 10 to $11 million in this league. You've got two years left of RFA status on uh, Alexis Lafreniere making 2.3, and the way he started to progress, he's going to want more money. Uh, while you've still got three years of, of Panarin and four years of Chris Kreider that you're going to want to try, and, and three years of Truba that you're going to want to try and win a cup in uh, in this time period. So... And you've got Sheetal on long-term injury reserve that you have to bring back as well. So it just starts to make a little bit more Hopefully, sense. Hopefully, yeah. Right? Is you want to bring back Philip Heedel to play. You have to move out probably Barkley Goodrow for the salary to make work. But you, you, you make, have to you move bring in just you, more than anything to get yeah. him a fucking roster. Yeah, you bring up Henrique and Vitrano who make that, that top nine, yes. let alone top six, like significantly better. You address the needs of having a third line. Center and Adam Henrique is more than qualified third line center. You bring a Vitrano who's familiar with that team and that yep. system recently to play with guys he's familiar with and Kreider and Zibinijad on the top line and really uh, establish some depth there. You lose Schneider, who again, and Kako, who are future pieces. Who Schneider's playing really well, Kako's struggling, but Kako gets the offset immediately by Vitrano and Henrique. And you bring in Vakanine in to offset what you lose in Schneider but be a reliable bottom pair guy who is going to rotate in with guys like Zach Jones and Eric Gustafson anyway. You don't really lose anything in the short term for the Rangers, and you get two guys who fit into that window. Henrique is for the run this year. Vitrano is for the run this year and next year. It doesn't affect your ability whatsoever to re-sign Lafreniere and 
um, and Shesterkin because both of those contracts are done before those extensions even kick in. It just starts to make a lot of sense, which, I mean, of course means it's not going to happen because every time we convince ourselves something makes sense, it doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, it, it all just kind of leans in a long-winded way to Kako and Schneider actually being potentially more available than it may seem just because they are due for contract extensions at the end of this season. Yeah, it's one of, again, like you said, it's one of those things that makes so much sense it'll never happen. But I don't want to ignore that it makes a lot of sense for both teams. Like uh, Nick Zarreras, oh, God, I hope I say this right, Nick, I'm sorry if I say it wrong, but Nick Zarreras of the Liberty Blue Pod. Um, I've been talking to him a bit on Twitter about some of this. Excuse me. I was looking at Barkley Goodrow's modified no-trade clause, too. He's got a 15-team no-trade list. Yeah, he would 100%. Sorry about that. I had to cough. Yeah, he would have to wave off on it. And that would, that would be the, the toughest part of it. I think, well, I think. here's the thing that's really funny. The other part of this is, as Nick has pointed out to me a few times, Chris Drury would probably rather trade his own son than trade Braden Schneider because Braden Schneider is, again, to the reason that I want him, yeah. a real classic 200-talkie-man type dude. Mm-hmm. And Chris Drury is a 200-talkie-man type dude. Um, and so, you know, he's joked with me that, like, yeah, he, again... Chris Jury would trade his own son before he traded Braden Schneider. But it just makes a lot of sense. Braden Schneider's only playing about 15 minutes a night right now, 15 and a half minutes. They have Truba and they have Fox. That's the top of their right. They've got Miller. Yeah, Yeah, it's just not going to – there's just not a lot of things. You can love him as much as you want, but you're not moving Fox and you're not moving Truba. And you're not moving Keandre Miller. And then are you playing – you're not playing Fox or Truba on their offside, and I don't really think you're playing – Braden Schneider on on lefty with Truba presumably at that point because Miller plays with Fox I believe right and you're not playing Schneider on the left side with Fox it just it doesn't it just becomes a luxury that again same a little bit same to Drysdale in the same sense and why we moved him but it just becomes a luxury at that position that you really are kind of wasting away and you've got to use it to fill positions of need somewhere else and for the Rangers specifically right now to try and win a Stanley Cup before this window shrinks because you've got really just these two years before it gets really, really tough to fit the rest of this team together. Yeah, according to Cap Friendly, it's Lindgren Fox and Miller Truba. Which, Jesus, man. Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba, that is just like that's a, scary a whole lot of beat American right there, baby. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. That is real good stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it just, it makes a lot of sense. It's obviously not going to happen. It's going to be really curious to see what the Rangers do. Um, but you know, I think if they're going to move on from a young forward, I think Capocacco is it. Like you said, they, they want to get Heedle back. There's no guarantee about that. He's had some real, real hard, or I want to say real hard time, real bad luck fighting concussions. And it seems based on, what I have seen that it's kind of a we don't know if he's coming back. We just know, you know, we want him to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, you certainly can't bank on that, but you also can't, you know, overcommit. You are going to need to pay Keandre Miller in a couple of years. You're not going to need to pay Shesterkin. You're going to need to pay Lafreniere. Like, 
they're you know Cooley, who's been a huge bright spot for them this year. They're going to have to pay him in a couple of years. Like you just you can't overextend yourself. And by adding two guys who help for this window, and then one of them being able to help for the next one, and you never know, maybe they re-sign Henrique in the summer on a really low deal. Like there's just a lot there to like for both teams. Barkley Goudreau, yeah, you know. That's not necessarily the best contract. He's got three more years after this one at a little over $3.6 million. Anaheim, if anybody, can be able to absorb that and figure out something to do with the guy. Like, I don't – Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I so, mean, he, he makes the same as Vitrano would for the next two years anyway, so you're just basically replacing Vitrano with Goodrow for, for the time being. Um, and, again, I think with two years left on that deal – when it might become an issue, you could presumably ship him out and retain him at that point anyway. And and it, it, I don't think it's an issue. Buy him out. Yeah, or buy him out. Yeah. So I, I don't know. If, man, I, I this would be the one of all the ones we've talked about, ones that make sense that never turn out. Like this would be near the top of my list of ones that I think should turn out. And it's it's just one that again it makes so much sense for both teams because Vitrano and and Henrique in the short term fit into. You know all the scenarios we talked about, and you know being there for this year in Henrique and Vitrano, and next year for Vitrano, they expire in enough time that you know it's not hurting the Shesterkin extension, the Lafreniere extension. When those expire, you hope that Othman, who's in in the AHL playing well now, steps in on in, on his ELC and can contribute to the same level that Vitrano and Henrique did, so that becomes your cheap replacement for the Rangers. You've got Gabe Perot, who will be coming in at that point as well for the Rangers, so up front you're really not struggling at all. The only loss is Schneider, but you hope that in that time period you've won a Stanley Cup or two. Right, and then it doesn't fucking matter. And it doesn't matter. Um, So you're, you're losing Schneider to win potentially a Stanley Cup. Right. So, I mean, and again, that's what those teams have to do. You're going to lose young players to try and add to your roster now to win a Stanley Cup. And if Schneider's playing 15 minutes a night, it's a lot more valuable to have Henrique Vitrano in that top nine contributing on a nightly basis than it is to have Schneider for the next two years playing 15 minutes a night until Truba's contract expires. And then you decide if you want to keep Schneider and move on from Truba at that point. Right. No, 100 percent. I, I couldn't agree with you more. <sighs> I it needs to come soon. Need to see that trade go across the line, uh, and then I would uh, like to see Henrik move sooner than later, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Rangers are going to be desperate because they were in on um, <clears throat> Lindholm and Monahan, probably. Yeah. And money, yeah. So they're going to want to do something, and clearly they're looking at at center. And if you can, you know, basically cover two of your needs in one there with the first line winger and the the, the center position in Henrique and Vitrano, um, there's not many better places to go to get that done than Anaheim right now. To, to, and I can't, I, I got to stop talking about this trade because I just I keep talking about how it makes so much more sense. But then again, you're bringing in a familiar face in Frank Vitrano that everybody in, in, in New York loved. Um, so it, 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 that doesn't help. That doesn't hurt either. It's the same argument we've made for Adam Henrique returning to New Jersey, but even more significant because Vitrano was a member of the Rangers within the last couple of years, not five, six, seven years ago, right? So, um, yeah, it, it's it's one I'd be, Brendan, I'd be looking forward to. Brendan Dillon makes three point nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he scammed his way to that, but. Alex Iofalo makes four million for this year and next year. 
Yeah, Win Winnipeg's uh, got some interesting contracts on their books. Wouldn't it be fun to do, I don't know, Troy Terry and Euro Vakaninen for Brendan Dillon, Alex Iafalo, Brad <laughs> Lampert, and the 2025 first-round pick? I never would have thought that you'd be lobbying for Brad Lambert to come to... Uh... We can go after Chaz Lucius. We can go after both of no, my... No, listen, I'm, my I'm, I'm 20, for What is that, 2021? Ridiculous name, boys. I'm all for bringing in, uh, in Brad Lambert. Because, boy, you want to talk about adding some speed and some potential finishing ability. Brad Lambert, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he's... Uh... He's been having a good year, I'm pretty sure, in the AHL this mm-hmm. year, too. Uh, Boy, howdy. I'm just uh, saying, man. It's not a bad one. It's, it's a t- again, it's a tough one seeing Troy Terry go. I, that that would be a, a tougher one. That's an off-season one to, to get done if it gets done. But uh, the, the, uh, the the Jets would be set because they've got Shifley for eight years, Connor for the next three, Ellers for the next two, Ayafalo would be coming this way, so it wouldn't matter. Niederreiter for four. Velarde for two, Lowry for three, so everybody's kind of locked down. Um, Dylan only affects the Ducks this year because he's a UFA, so and Hellebuck's done for the next eight. So you bring Troy Terry in for the next seven, you've got a nice little window of a couple years to run with this core. Buddy, Brad Lambert, right shot, right side, speed for fucking days. 14 and 15 in 37 games for Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm just saying, man. It's not bad. It's definitely and then imagine all of the best players that play for Winnipeg would be American. <laughs> and that would be really funny. Oh, well, well, Mark Shifley's Canadian, is he not? Right, that's why I said all the best players. Oh, wow. So, so what, just Kyle Connor and uh, and Hellebuck? That's it. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Josh Terry. Morris, he's a Canadian. Josh Morris, he is Canadian, yeah. Fucking coward. Nikolai, yep. Nikolai mm-hmm. Ehlers is from Denmark, so. Nikolai Ehlers is sick as hell, dude. Yeah. But, yeah, no. I forgot Joshua Morris is Canadian. I was thinking he was American, and I was like, oh. Connor, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. Morris. I mean, the, probably the two best players on that team are Kyle Connor and, and Connor Hellebuck, and then Troy Terry would be up there yeah. with Shifley, so. Three of their top four players would be American. So there you go. Yeah. At least three of their top five. Because you can, you know, look, I'm not a huge fan, but you can talk me into the Josh Morrissey thing. And I'm actually a very big fan of Mark Shifley, so. Yeah. Yeah, guy uh, that was apparently going to be out the door there. And now uh, he's a What a weird God. I, you know what? I'm because gonna, all of a sudden the, the Jets are good, right? Like I if they were bad, he'd be out the door for sure. Oh my god, dude! It's it's such a weird thing going on up there, and like the whole Rick bonus is a good coach thing is weird. Yep. Oh, that's right, Adam Lowry's their captain right now. That's mm-hmm. so fucking weird. What a weird team. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird team. That's like uh, Boone Jenner being captain in Columbus, but if Columbus had actual talent mm-hmm. around him. Jeez Louise, dude! He makes less than four million dollars. I don't know why I just no Blue Jenner. I just assumed he made more money than that. Yeah, well, because he plays like he he should make more money than that. Well, I don't know about that. I just I do love that guy though. He plays. He he does it all. He had nine shots, five hits, and like seventeen faceoff wins and a goal tonight for for the Blue Jackets. He did everything. Yeah, three point seven five million dollars. 
I don't know, man. It's, it's it's that season though. Trade deadline season is where it's where it gets yeah. exciting. We we make up all these mock trades and we send them to each other all day, and then none of them <laughs> none of them happen. We we'll end up moving Henrique and Toronto for first round picks separately, and that'll be it. Would you rather have an? Uh, let's say somebody says we'll give you a first for one of the two of them, but it has to be a twenty twenty five first. Would you rather take a 2025 first or look for another 2024 first? I'd look for another 2024 first. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I, two For two reasons. One, personally right now, I don't really know too much. I haven't looked into the 2025 draft. I don't know too much beyond some of the top players available in that draft. The other reason is just timeline-wise, having an extra year of development for a player to get into, hopefully get into the roster sooner rather than later. I know it's not a foregone conclusion because the guys in 2025 certainly could make the roster before the guys in 2024, but I just like that year sooner and having those guys potentially be able to make the roster. Counterpoint. Having a guy who hits the roster a year later Mm -hmm. gives you another ELC year a little later into the window. Yep. And I, again, just counterpoint. No, no, I think it depends on the team, too, because you look at that team and you say, no, they might not be that good in 2025. Like, you know, if you look at the Jets as an example, like, are they going to be good next year? Are they going to be good in 2025? Who knows? They should be. They have the same roster there, but we didn't expect them to be good with this roster this year. Philadelphia is another example. Teams like that, right? Teams like that, I think you look at and say, maybe you would consider a 2025 first from them because this might just be a one-off season from them. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I'm an idiot. The uh, correct answer is Troy Terry to the Buffalo Sabres for Zach Benson. I don't, I don't hate Bro, it. That, that would rock. I don't, I don't hate it. Remember the days of uh, Buffalo fans hoping they'd get Patrick Kane? <laughs> Why would you want that, man? Have some self-respect, guys. Ooh, Jordan Greenway. One more year at $3 million. I hope they give him a big extension. I like him. Sabres should be making moves. I think I Sam Reinhart going back to the Sabres potentially in, in the offseason. Yeah, I will say, of all the teams that could be, like, again, just this is just what I'm talking about right now, so it's whatever. Of all the teams who should be calling about Troy Terry at the 2024 draft, Buffalo. Yeah, they, they lose. Especially uh... if they fall backwards in the draft after the lottery, if they get jumped by a team. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of salary space already. And they've got a lot of dead cap opening up. Olafson, they won't resign at 4.75. Zemgis Gergensen comes off. Kyle Poso comes off. Um, Eric Johnson comes off. That's a, a lot of, lot of, lot of money coming off the books that they likely won't bring back. Um, I know that Dalene's extension kicks in next year, and um, we talk about overrated. And they've got to sign Peyton Krebs, but that's it. Benson has three years Bro, left they on that really, They really gave Rasmus Dahlin $11 million. What fucking morons. You don't like him? You don't think I, he's worth I don't, that much? I don't think he's worth that $11 million fucking dollars. I think he's at least a $9.5 million defenseman. Yeah, well, we know what you think about Seth Jones, who also makes $9.5 million. I don't know if I trust you right now. 11, 11 for a defenseman is a lot, for sure. But... Um, Rasmus Dahlin, okay, look, he's got 13 goals, 26 points, second okay, on the team. You tell points. me this, though. You tell me this. What's worse, giving Rasmus Dahlin the way he is now, 11, or giving Owen Power $8.35 million 
for what Yo, he's doing. You know right what? Now. You know what? You are not wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong, bro. <laughs> that one for me is significantly worse because uh, I, I haven't seen enough from Owen Power to say he's anywhere near $8.35 million. That, that could... I thought the fucking Jake Sanderson deal was insane. It still is, by the way. Owen Power could legitimately be worth that, but that is a hefty gamble that you hope this kid is going to be something because you've also got Rasmus Dallin, who you locked up to $11 million. They play on the same side. So, I mean, if you're not playing them together, then they're splitting minutes. And you're hoping that both of these guys are going to be worth almost $20 million against the cap. So it's um, it's interesting, man. It's, it's it's an interesting one, that's for sure. What a What? Like, $8.35 million for a dude who's going to be 22 next year. He has to be a borderline Norris candidate. But he won't be because he won't be putting years. up the points. Because Dalian's going to be power play one. So you're hoping he is a shutdown monster who can still put up, like, 40 even strength points. But that was never what he was. Well, I mean, there was a little bit of headman, so I guess there's something there. But I just, what fucking dorks, man? Why are you? Again, I get the whole bridge contracts are bad, and this is why I think that's stupid. I I would rather pay Owen Power $6 million for the next three years. And then have to pay him ten mm-hmm. in a couple, then have to pay him eight, and then he just turns into a seven million dollar guy the whole time, or a six or and a half less. million. Guy. Who knows? Like yeah. you don't know what you have in him right now. And again, like I said, like the 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 weirdness of paying Dallin eleven and knowing that Rasmus Dallin is going to be your number one option offensively, he's going to be your power play quarterback. You're likely not going to run Dallin power on power play one so you're gonna have a one power on power play two it's just a wild move to say yeah we're gonna lock them both down for significant money um not like dallying you weren't gonna get a bridge deal so i understand but like power you there's you can't tell me you couldn't do the three by six or something around there just to see what you got in this guy and, and risk it a little bit like you have the cap space to make that work like it's not impossible to do that but Bro, Owen Power is going to make more than Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins next year. He's the second highest played player on the team. Oh, I guess other than Jeff Skinner. So he's the third highest played player on their team. That's Dude, shout out to Jeff Skinner. Just hanging around. Good for you, brother. He's got $9 million for the next four years. <laughs> uh, he's second on the team in goals. J.J. Paterka's got one more than he does. Shout out to J.J. Paterka. He's had a good year, too. What a fucking dumb organization. Like, I don't I don't hate it. I think they're in a sense where they're kind of like in that Ottawa place where they're like, you know, this has sucked for so long. It's nice to have somebody who's good. But Jesus fucking Christ, man, you don't have to pay these guys as much right away. Yeah. You don't have to do it. It's, it's a fucking it's, insane ass it's thing some, to do. I mean, even, even to some extent, giving Dylan Cousins 7.1 for seven years is... A little bit. It's an insane deal. That's an insane deal. Yeah, it, it's uh... it's insane. The moment they signed him, I mean, all of them. Like, I like Tage Thompson, but I can't even, even Tage getting. Oh, no, what am I doing? <laughs> After one really, really good year, like one good season. They uh, now he then yeah. followed it up in the first year of this deal. He had a very good season. Yeah, this year though was <laughs> it's not looking the greatest. Boy. I mean, Sabres are interesting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for Devin Levi to get some sort of insane extension, too. 
for his... Yeah, 38 goals, 47 goals, and now he's at 15 in 41. So he's on pace to hit 30 goals again, mm-hmm. which, okay, fair enough. But uh, you guys thought he was a fucking MVP candidate six weeks ago. So what are we fucking doing here? This is a bro. I just... I don't understand. I don't understand. Like... I, I it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, man. It just doesn't make any sense. And then you've got fucking Toronto, who's paying everyone and their mother a billion dollars. Six players I, on the LTA. If I if I played fucking pro hockey, I would want to play in the Atlantic Division. Everyone seems to get paid in the Atlantic Division. I I love looking at Toronto's LTIR. Jake Muzzin, Matt Murray, John Klingberg, Callie Yarncroft, Joseph. They've got Joseph Wall and his seven hundred and sixty six thousand dollars of relief on the LTIR. That's how cash strapped they are. That they've they've got this guy giving them. St- just over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars of relief on the LTIR because they need it that bad. Just, just unsaid. Hey, Try Bob, Terry for Mitch Marner. Let's remember, go. Remember how we made fun of uh, Bobby McMahon for the Leafs? He had, had a, a hat trick tonight, man. Good for him. Get it. Yeah. So this Leafs team uh, continues to amaze me. The cap gymnastics that they go through to make this absurd lineup work is just amazing. It it, it kind of rocks, man. It's, it's 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 something. It's something. Willie Nylander getting his extension. They now have four players making over ten, and I would I would just even go forward and say four players making eleven because the fact that uh, Marner makes ten point nine is basically eleven million. Uh, yeah, and uh, by the way, he only makes that for another year. Once it hits July 1, those contract extension conversations start. Oh, yeah. JT's out the door, you would imagine, and Marner gets extended, and they just run Marner, Matthew, Nylanders. Honestly, John Tavares going out the door will be the best thing for this team in terms of being able to actually okay. actually do something, man. Like, to do something and, and build a, some depth on their roster because they're just going to be able to make that $11 million work in other places. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's insane. It, it's ridiculous. And they lose TJ Brody's $5 million next year, too. So the Leafs are getting somewhere. They're, they're, they're moving in the right direction. Maybe two years away from, from actually being able to do something with this core talented uh, three trio they have of Nylander, Marner, Matthews. Uh, they got to wait three more years to do something with it. But. What an insane fucking thing, dude. Like, Toronto is just the weirdest place in the world. Tyler Bertuzzi sucks. Max Domi sucks. Yeah, man, all their all their additions this year were just. Let's see Samsonov here. hasn't been good. It's uh, I mean they're still in a good position though. Somehow the Leafs are still doing. Lilligren's only got nine points. How is that even possible? Cali Yarncroke's got nineteen points. I mean, listen, it, it's a five-man team. It's a five-man team. It's Nylander, Matthew Marners, Riley, Tavares. The drop-off from that is significant. <laughs> like, it's Nylander, 65 points, Matthew, 63, Marner, 57, Riley, 43, Tavares, 40, Domi's, 25. 
Bertuzzi at 21, and then it's just a bunch of meh. If you, if you were going to be stupid and spend dumb money, if you're fucking Toronto, how do you not already have Chris Tanev on your roster? Yeah. Like, he is immediately just raises the bottom on that team. You can just rock the Brody-Tanev pairing again. Oh my god, dude, no shit, eh? God, that would be funny. That was in Calgary, right? They had that in Calgary? It was those two. I or think was so. It, or was it Brody Giordano? Yes, it was Brody Giordano because Tanev, but Tanev around that same time, I think, was playing with uh, Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. Yeah. So they already, they already did re- reunite to Brody If Edmonton Giordano. adds Chris Tanev, do they become the favorites in the West? I was talking to... Uh, Rebuilding blog online, and I we were talking about the idea of an Ekholm Bouchard Nurse Tanev top four. That's serious. That's a serious team. Maybe. I just I, I know there's still I, questions I don't know about the goalie. The gap. I just again I don't really have a ton of faith in the rest of the West team. So I think like, does Tanev make him better than the Jets, Gold Knights, Avs, Stars, and Canucks? Maybe. Um, are they better than those six teams now? Possibly. Like, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, Vancouver's clear of everybody else points-wise right now, but are they by far and away the best team in the, in the conference? I wouldn't say they're, you know, com- complete runaway favorites. They're, you know, runaway the best team. It's like, the, dude, the Canucks winning the fucking President's Trophy this year would be... How stupid would that be? I would rock. They are, in, they are the best team in the league right now, points-wise. Which is, are they? Sure. Yeah, yeah, they are. I, I, I'd rather be them than Dallas. I just look. I'm never going to turn my back on our boy Robo. But what do you think I those would... odds would have been at the beginning of the year. Oh my god, dude! Had to be. There's got to be some psychopathic. Vancouver Twenty-five, fan out thirty there to one. That that put odds on not only the Canucks to win the Presidents Trophy, but the Canucks to win the Cup, and he's loving life right now. Now, how funny would it be if whoever that person is? Only did it as a parlay, and they win the president's trophy, but lose the president's gear. Refuses, to refuses to cash out. <laughs> no, I'm saying, what if you go a parlay, and you like, instead of making all that money on the most random president's cup trophy winner, you lose it because you got greedy. Yeah, man, he'd he'd have an opportunity to cash out, but you know he would refuse to cash out. He'd get to like <sighs> game seven against whoever. Let's say we we'll give him a benefit though. Game seven, round two, this man's not cashing out. Game goes to overtime. He's he's holding. He's holding for it. He can cash out fifty K. He but he's holding. You know. Alright. Alright, Eddie, here's what I need you to do. I need you to pick a number uh between one and ten. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We are the sixth pick in the and see here the EA NHL 2014 fantasy draft. Let's see who we get with our first pick. I'm going to see if I can find these President's Trophy odds. All right. McCarr went first. McDavid went second. Dreisaitl went third because this game is stupid. Pasternak, McKinnon. Wait, Matthews is still on the board? 
Oh, shit. Kucherov, Pedersen, Yossi, Panarin, Matthews, Rantanen, Jack Hughes, Matt Kachuk. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Should I take Jack Hughes? I feel like I should take Jack Hughes. Yeah, man, take him. Or Elias Peterson. Okay, these are these are odds from from August. All right, we're gonna go with Jack Hughes. Vancouver was not even on the board here. President Trophy odds, courtesy of Caesar Sportsbooks, from August first, twenty twenty three. Hurricanes had the best odds: Devils, Avs, Oilers, Leafs, Bruins, and Gold Knights, Stars. Lightning, Rangers, Kings, Panthers, Wild, Kraken, Sabres. That's I can't nuts. find anything on what the, the, that that's the top fifteen. <laughs> so they were they had worse than plus three thousand odds, which is insane. Oh my god! Um, I, I gotta find this somewhere. I gotta find this. This is currently. Currently, yeah, of course. Now it's down to plus 240. The Canucks have the best odds, obviously. But uh, I really wish I could find something from earlier this year. All the lists only really show the top 15. They, they just weren't even... They weren't even considered, man. They weren't even considered. That's... That's wild. Oh, I think I, think I got it here. I think I got it here. Canucks, where are they? can't find it that's that's wild i wish i could find it but it was uh in Caesar sportsbook would have been better than plus three thousand odds somebody has somebody had to have have that we'll see that come out near the end of the season somebody's somebody's bet slip of uh connects for president's trophy winners a hundred percent plus five thousand odds or something insane Absolutely insane. But it's like four in the morning for you. Yeah, man. We're just riffing. You got to go to sleep, brother. We got to get the fuck out of here. No, it was nice to get back. Um, a little bit more than a month on from uh, from the last from the last pod. Uh, but it's nice to get back, talk to you guys, catch, catch up with you guys. We're still alive. We're still here. Um, we're still making it work. We're, we'll, we'll do this again. Promise. Promise. <laughs> promise. We at least promise you we'll do it again. Um, I, I, again, we're, we're, we are planning and trying to, to do it more often. Just this year has been a little bit, a little bit crazy. So, um, the trade deadline for sure is going to force us to be back within less than a month. So that will be, that'll be fun. Maybe we can, we can jump on and try and, um, you know, do a, a bit more of a preview of trade deadline, a little bit closer to deadline day. Uh, if not, Absolutely. definitely, definitely a review right after. Um, like oh, around, for sure. Right, uh, yeah. Deadline's on the eighth, so um, that that works out well. I think that's a Friday, I believe. March eighth is a Friday. Yeah, so that allows us to roll into the weekend, ninth or tenth, and and record an episode uh, that day. So we'll uh, at, at the very least you'll be expecting us on the ninth or the tenth back with uh, hopefully with a, with an episode to recap trade deadline day. If not, we'll be back uh, be back sooner if we somehow get. Uh, our our proposed trade maybe in the next couple of weeks here Rangers uh, Rangers Ducks Capo Caco Braden Schneider welcome to the Anaheim Ducks oh baby baby 
couple weeks from now we can uh, we can jump on a little bit sooner but we'll be back in the next couple weeks here i uh, appreciate you guys being patient appreciate you guys listening joining the show um hearing us talk about whatever the fuck we talked about today ducks your garbage out front of your house yeah exactly i it's the best dude i love that i have to like get into the elevator and they're like hey please don't leave garbage in the hall what the fuck is wrong with you people we'll need an update for the next show and see how things go i'm sure yeah, nothing, I, nothing will change yeah um um Uh, yeah, no, it's insane. It's insane. I can't wait to see. The trade deadline is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to uh, to see what kind of dumb deals teams make and if we get any of this, oh, they didn't make this trade because they wanted a, a, an extension in place and all this stuff. Um, so, yeah. Uh, um, hey, Eddie, did you see Morgan Riley five games? What did you think of that?